I've got about ten seconds to tell you how to get two-for-one tickets for top draw comedy nights near you thanks to our friends at the TV channel Dave at absoluteradio.co.uk. Also, I've got to tell you about how you can win prizes while you're there too. I've run out of time, though. Thanks for downloading Absolute Radio's A-Team podcast, part four of four. Christian O'Connell interviews Frank Skinner. Absolute Radio's A-Team. Absolute Radio. Are you just listening to the 18 theme tune throughout this whole interview, Frank, or are you actually going to listen to me? That's what we're going to That's not that. That's Stan's Army. No, there's a bit when it goes. There's a bit when it goes. That's the standard. But there's another bit where they they slightly break that middle bit down. They go. They never did that. They did that. No, no. The bit where the car would go up in the air and then overturn and stuff like this. A bit you're talking about where it did break down, but it wasn't a... Well, now you have me at something as a disadvantage. I'll tell you for why. Is that in the 80s, I was basically uh, drunk for the whole of the 80s. So I... Don't know that I've ever seen the acting, but I, I, did, I just I like the theme I didn't want to say anything, but I'm glad that you brought it up, Frank. Okay, it was I on my mind. I couldn't name the characters from the A-Team, <laughs> unless it was Jeff Lloyd, Dave Gorman, <laughs> Mr. Breakfast and Frank Skinner. That was all I, that's all I could do. I know Mr. T, obviously everybody knows Mr. T. I only know him from your radio show. So, listen, I'm now interviewing you now, Frank. Okay. I, because you were, uh, Frank, when Frank, you were interviewing me, you were talking about, you were kind of uh, interested in why I would do martial arts. Mm. Now, uh, my fascination with you is about stand-up comedy, because it's something that I tried in the early 90s, and uh, badly, and did a lot of the new act nights, and uh, it scared the life out of me, but it's something I'm still fascinated by. Um, how important to st- is stand-up to you? Well, it's, I, I've developed a sort of an interesting uh, relationship with it now because I've always said that I am a stand-up comedian who does other things. So that's my core thing. But I'm not sure I do it often enough now. I, 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 it's a source of shame for me now. I don't feel that I do stand-up enough. I actually start to worry that I can no longer call myself a stand-up comedian, which makes me a bit ashamed. So, funnily enough, I am going to uh, start writing stand-up. I'm doing some stuff in Edinburgh, and then I'm, I'm going to start writing a new tour. Because if, I, if I'm not doing it, I feel slightly empty. Do you really? Honestly. Yeah. I'm not, I'm not, that I'm not being disrespectful to other jobs, but for me, that is really what, yeah. what it's all about. I think and I also think if you can do it, you have an obligation to do it, because most people can't. I would see. I was uh, as a kid a big fan of like Billy Connolly, and then over the years you sort of see different comedians. And I remember seeing you for the first time when you toured the Perrier show that you won. Yeah, early nineties, ninety one, ninety two. You came to my university with that. Al Murray was supporting you, who then wasn't the pub landlord, just did weird. He um, did sound effects. Sound effects. People think I'm making that. He did sound effects of uh, aeroplanes. Mainly and guns. guns. <laughs> yeah, that was his thing. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. This, this is how long it was ago. And um, seeing you uh, instilled in my mind, Chris and I, that I should give it a go. Um, because you had so much energy in what you did, and you were so naturally funny. A lot of the comedians I not in eight. Well, if he can do it, I can do <laughs> no, it. Kind of a way. You're taking it that way, Frank. <laughs> no, it, it inspired me. So I started doing these new act nights and stuff like that. And um, I want to know is when when you've gone through periods like the last couple of years, up until your recent tour and and, and the book about going back into that as well. You hadn't done stand up for quite a long time. How many mm. years was the layoff? It was ten years of doing. I mean, I'd done bits, you know little gigs here and there and bits on telly but I hadn't done a tour and how does that make you feel does it gnaw away at you is it yeah, something it comes back to you a lot it makes me feel um, rubbish really it makes me feel slightly cowardly 
And I think the reason, people give all sorts of reasons for not doing stand-up. I mean, I, I was doing loads of telly then, so I had plenty of excuses for not doing stand-up. But there was a time at ITV, I had, I had a sabbatical year written into my contract so that I could do stand-up. And I still didn't do it. So it was cowardice, because I think it's the hardest thing to write. Yeah. Because there's, it, it has to be lean meat. You know, on a radio show, you can do the odd link and think, yeah. well, that didn't quite work. But, you know, it was, it, there was a... And they haven't paid to see you. If you pay to come and see you now, what's that... Fifty pounds, hundred pounds, two hundred pounds. No, no. I think you've got me mixed up with <laughs> Lady Gaga. <laughs> okay. No, it's not. I don't charge that kind of. But they pay, and so they're like crying because you've. Uh, not only are they paying, they've booked babysitters. Yeah, and they've it's a night out. Yeah, they've. They, yeah. Um, so I, I think I was a bit um, frightened to, to do it, but um, I sort of think if I'm not doing stand up, I almost don't exist. So why did you go back to it? Was it also the For financial stuff as well? Well, it was part... I mean, the, there was several reasons. Well, I mean, I think if you're, as an outsider, you think, well, it's pretty obvious the telly work dr- dried up. So he thought... Yeah, but you I, must have squirreled well, enough away. You, you, yeah. you, you don't drink, and a lot of the other pitfalls that a lot of people waste their money on, you must have inve- You must have looked after your money. I mean, the big contracts with ITV and BBC... Yeah, but I don't, I don't, I'm not in it for the money. I'm in it for my ego. <laughs> So I had to, uh, I had to do something, but also I, I just thought, to be honest, I'd got a little bit bored. I, yeah. I'd, I'd lost my mojo a bit, and yeah. the last couple of series I'd done, I was, you know, I was giving it my best shot, but I'd stopped going into the edits and stuff like that, and I, and I wasn't as excited about it, and I needed to um, go back to the well, and uh, and get the stand up going again. So that's what I did. But even that tour felt like a warm-up for the next tour. Because in my mind, uh, there is a stand-up show, which is the best stand-up show I can do. So even despite winning the Perrier years ago, you still feel that, you know, there's this, you've still got the ultimate sort of set is inside of you somewhere. Yeah, I, I don't know. I mean, unfortunately, I can't hear the words to it, but I, I know it's... I can hear the rhythms of it, and I know that there is a perfect set to be done. And until I do the perfect set, then I have to keep doing it. Did it feel, uh, was it hard getting back into stand-up? Because obviously in the last ten years, the landscape's changed. Well, it, I mean, for a start-off, there's loads more comics about now. And do you think that's a good thing? Do you think the quality's still there? Though? It's not a good thing if you're trying to make a comeback. <laughs> <laughs> it's a nightmare. What I needed was a wasteland, the comedy wasteland. You're I could saying China into. would be good. Some sort China, of just... <laughs> China, but they didn't like my political stuff. Yeah, I can imagine. Yeah. So, no, I... Um, I really tried to go back into it, not even thinking about, you know, oh, I did this and I did that. It, it was a bit like starting anew. So I did lots of little clubs and tryout gigs. And to be honest, I like that part of it better than I like the tour. Yeah. Because some very, there is nothing more exciting than doing new material and it working. I, I mean, can imagine. It, oh, man. You're at the genesis of the birth of what your art is. Yeah, but also, you, you know, you write a lot of stuff that doesn't work, so you never know when you go out there. When it works, you think, oh, man, you can hear it. And you think, oh, this is a good bit. I'll be yeah. able to use this bit for a long time, and it'll always get laughs, and it'll get better, because I'll embroider it, and it'll grow, and this is something that's got a real chance. And then you do a bit that completely dies, and you think, oh, that's one of these bits. Do you have a golden rule? Like, there must be stuff when you're doing new material, because sometimes uh, a joke, I guess, in a room would go not that well, and then another night it might just go, well, there's an energy in a room, I would imagine. It, do you have a thing where you go, this, this joke's really good, I really hang on to this, I still believe in it, and then after the fourth night of maybe not going where you go, that's it, it's got to go. 
Well, yeah, I, I don't, I do do that occasionally. Usually, if they go, if they get nothing, I put a cross on next to them, and that's that. But there are ones that I persevere with, but I don't think I do it for the right reasons. There's ones I just like saying. <laughs> there was one I used to, I, I really tried to make this work, and I don't know why now. Looking, but at the time, I had a real affection for it. I said I, I did, I did a folk festival, and. Uh, it was so hot, some of the dogs had to loosen their bandanas. And it got nothing. And I did it. I thought, no, I really like that. I re- Maybe they don't know that dogs wear those red gypsy bandanas. And, and I thought, maybe I could introduce that as a casual point earlier in the set and then do the joke later on. But it just didn't. Well, in the end, I had to let it go. <laughs> and how hard is it to sit down? And when you, uh, the casual way you said, I'm going to go and write a new tour... What does that mean? Are you disciplined where you will literally start writing, you know, a blank piece of paper or on a PC or whatever you do at nine o'clock in the morning? Yeah, I um, I usually start about ten. I write freehand. For some reason, stand freehand. Up. What kind of phrase is that? What does that mean? <laughs> with a, with a the bio drops out the sky. It's <laughs> 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 freehand. It's just called freehand. I've this? never heard freehand. I mean, you've it, never heard that. We're living in the age of the iPhone. Is that like an app? Freehand. Is well, that a slave What does come this around? say about Nottingham Trent <laughs> University that you've never heard the phrase freehand? <laughs> I don't know what a longhand. They still live of. in a forest and dress in <laughs> green there. But look, I've never heard that. Does that mean you have someone comes around and you've you've got free hands? You dictate to them. No joke too. Well, you suggest I'd write by manuensis. Is that what you're saying? <laughs> I never heard of freehand. Okay, well, I, I write with a pen. Yeah, a quill. Yeah, not a quill, a biro. So, and it'd be in a notebook, a journal. In a notebook, yeah. yeah. And and you can sit down and uh, and be disciplined enough to do it over a day. And I, I'll sit down and think, right, what what possible topics could there be? And sometimes you just sit there for ages and nothing happens. And then suddenly you'll think of something, and maybe you might dash off a dozen gags. I try to write 12 gags a day is, is the well-balanced way. When you say gags, though, I mean, some of those might be 30 seconds, might be a minute, and when I guess you didn't know, how long these days do you have to build up to do a tour? Is that an hour and a half's worth of well, material? Well, it's interesting, because my tours, the last tour I did was about an hour and 45 in total. Yeah. And I always used to do about an hour and a half, hour 40. And then I, I saw a few comics just lately, and they were really good shows. Yeah. But after about an hour and ten, I thought, that'll do me now. That's enough. I think you're really funny and I've really enjoyed it, but I don't want any more. So it's making me think on my last tour, an hour and a quarter is plenty. Last time I didn't use a support app, but I think next time I will use a support app. I was thinking I might have a competition on the show for a support act. You should definitely do that. People yeah. would love to do that. And you know what? You'll give an absolute a- an amateur, not a semi-pro comic. Or... A complete amateur. You should definitely do that. Be a great Come thing on to and do. do. I, I was thinking maybe half an hour at the top. Half an hour. <laughs> You just want someone on that, so you can come on and go. Thanks, mate. <laughs> anyway, white dog poo. <laughs> You're into it. Absolute Radio's eighteen. Christian O'Connell interviews Frank Skinner. Absolute Radio. So, you're obviously very uh, keen on uh, stand. Why haven't you? Uh, why haven't you done it again? I think what happened is I, I got up to a, uh, a competition at the Edinburgh Festival. It was like a semi-final for one of these search for a start. It was called So You Think You're Funny. And it was run by Channel 4. And I was very, very, very nervous. I used to get terrible stage fright before doing it. I had, like, words written down in my hand for these non-existent jokes. And I was outside this venue, the Gilded Balloon. Oh, yeah. It's, it's, it's since burnt down. Actually. Is it? Yeah. 
Well, they had like... That wasn't a, you, was it? Wasn't, wasn't <laughs> me. They had like a small back bit of it, and that's where this heat was. Yeah, I, I remember that. And um, I was outside, I smoked at the time, I was like 21, 22, and uh, the, well, I say the audience, but about 20 people were shuffling in to watch me, and um, you were one of them. Was I? Why would a big comedian lording it up, you'd come to see that heat? For some reason, I don't know why, Frank. Well, I imagine you walked in with Stuart, with Stuart Lee. Oh, really? Yeah. And I had a lot of when when was this? This was like early 90s, 92, 93. And two really fantastic comedians sat in amongst about 20 people in a very small venue. So when I walked out to do my set, I was, I was really nervous. And then well, the only thing I could see was you and Stuart Lee. Oh, no. Yeah. And, and uh, Stuart only ever laughs at avant-garde theatre, so you're not going to get anything out of him. No. I'd spent so a- I've seen you do stand-up. This gets worse, Frank. I was crestfalling at, at this experience and I, I didn't know what to do i had no money i slept in a shop doorway crying drunk until the first train back to see, london see you'd have been a great stand-up <laughs> no just a very bitter one crying and drunk i mean and I, I went back home to mum and dad and mum and dad were like hey keep at it you know what they're like you know and i was like no i don't think it's meant to be and i thought i'll tell you what i'll i'll write to frank skinny he was there and i'm sorry you know and i like <laughs> this guy i wrote to you but in green ink. I now know green ink is, is the ink off the nutter. Of course. You know, some guy didn't make it, stepped in a shop door, I asked you for some stand-up tips. Oh. And your silence said enough. That was my last experience oh, well, stand-up. Oh, I sorry about that. So, but it keeps coming back to me. I've played with the thought of, like, um, you know, hiring a very small venue. Yeah. At Edinburgh and, you know, like, for next year and seeing, could I get What, together? 2011? Yeah. And do if- it. Whenever I meet you, I don't know if you're aware of this, you often bring up stand-up or some stand-up that you've seen recently. Yeah, because you're got- a stand-up No, comedian. no, but because you're obviously if you're a stand-up a sailor, fan. I'd go, I saw a boat. Would you? <laughs> well, no, because I'm no. a moron. No, I think, I think you're clearly slightly obsessed with stand-up comedy. No, yeah, watching it It's nagging. It. That, that failure is nagging at you. You've got, to, you've got to lay it to rest. Well, no, because maybe it, should, it was laid to rest then. You shouldn't go back to it. I, I'm no, lucky. but you obviously still feel you can do it. No. You do. Go on, do it. Book a room. Yeah, you're just saying now, this. Now, promise me so on air. It. Promise me on air that you will... By the spirit of Bruce Lee, who I presume you worship at the altar of. Bruce or Bruce Lee? Now I'm confused. <laughs> <Not> Bruce, <laughs> Bruce Lee? Oh, oh right. Okay. <laughs> yeah. Bruce you know. Yeah, but, I mean, I have gone as far as, right, to starting to write what this might be. Uh, yeah, but, Frank, I've got, I've got three bits that are no more than um, about four minutes. Yeah, but great oak trees from little acorns grow. God, I've used that line a few times. <laughs> <laughs> They've never believed me. <laughs> and they were right. Now, come on, Mr Breakfast. Is that going to be the name of the show? Yeah, why not? <laughs> come on, do it. All right, all Promise right. me you'll book a room at the 2011 Edinburgh Festival <laughs> and do stand-up comedy. Yeah, I will promise. <laughs> Results! Go on! Oh, Mr Stand-up. What happened to Mr Breakfast? I'm Mr Breakfast. Where's the reply to my letter? I'm sorry, I'll, I'll send it to you sometime in the future when you've become Mr Brunch. <laughs> OK, thank you. Absolute Radio's 18. Absolute Radio.
And so, tell me about going and doing radio. Is that something you enjoy? Do you enjoy doing this? Well, of course, it's very difficult to talk about radio because, um, as you once pointed out to me, I had written in a book that if ever you hear me say I'm passionate about radio, it means my career is in ruins. Uh, so, but do you, do you enjoy it? Oh, man, I... I Seriously, I yeah. absolutely love it. Oh, that's very good to hear. What do you like about it? I, I like about it's. I've always thought that you know I've I've done funny um, live shows and I've done funny TV shows, though I say it as shouldn't. One sort of walked around and thought, now I'm really pleased yeah. with that. That was top end. But I've never. I still think the funniest I ever am is when I'm just sitting with some people in a room and start to get on a roll yeah. and just start to just you know riff on it and um there are moments during stand-up and even on tv where you get flavor of that but radio is the closest thing to that it's the closest thing to sitting with a couple of mates and just getting on one where you 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 can you know it's being you're funny and it's just it's dropping out of you like windfall fruit and i i don't know anywhere else that i've really had that and i realized that about two or three shows in. And then I started to uh, love... I Honestly, to the point, it, even though, you know, as you know, one has to get up a bit early to do a breakfast show. I, I get up a bit later than you, but early for me. Yeah. Six o'clock in the morning or whatever. And when I get here, when I come up the stairs to the studio, there is a genuine spring in my step. You know, I'm, I can't wait to get the headphones on. Man, I, I, it sounds like a, a crappy company man thing to say but i totally love it and so i'm pleased to hear that you like radio though because i often wonder because you know you get a lot of people who have uh, done a lot of tv work and you're back on tv now and opinionated was a really good show it felt like uh, a radio show on tv in, in all that not in any way that you hadn't really thought a format and just that it was a very it was just you I being shaved <laughs> no, you hadn't shaved <laughs> you just you had no pants on <laughs> <laughs> but no it felt that it was you doing what you do better which is sitting around chatting you yeah. know with the audience and with the guests and that's what you do on the radio show so yes. did you want it to feel like that was that intentional well I, it wasn't really intentional but um Someone who works for Absolute Radio said, I thought rather waspishly to me, well, it's just like your radio show on telly, isn't it? And I hadn't really thought about that. And then I thought, well, maybe it is. I think that um, the radio show has had an influence on um, my comedy in general. Has it? In what way? I think it's just, it's made me, um, I always thought I was quite me, uh, on stage. Yeah. Some people are not at all them on stage. No. But I always thought that the gap between me off and me on was quite small. But yeah. on radio, it's much, it's almost not there. So um, I think that it's made me more, more me um, in, in the So has that affected when you're writing material and stuff like that? You, do you find stuff, shed stuff that you might have done 10 years ago, but you're kind of like, oh, I'm not sure I want that kind of stuff? Um, yeah, I think that changes anyway. I mean, partly because comedy is... Ch- when I came back to do stand-up, I did some jokes which I thought people thought, oh, no, we d- people don't do jokes about that anymore. That must have been hard. Yeah, well, it's, you know... Did they hand you notes? It's all part of the, the learning process. No, they just handed me silence. <laughs> Indifference and disdain. And some tottings. <laughs> and so is it something you'd imagine doing radio now for quite a long time? I imagine doing it forever to be honest, um, because I've been... I, I went to the uh, the World Cup, as you 
you may recall, I used to phone you on a regular basis. You and in the Dave morning. were the soundtrack to it, which was great fun. I only enjoyed the chat, so I felt sorry for you because obviously you were uh, knackered after getting up early morning and recording the podcast sometimes at midnight. I'll tell you what was great though is that because we, I spoke to you on the phone so much after that period, and now doing this face to face, you know just when people honest. meet meet women on the internet. <laughs> that they arrange a meeting. Um, here's, the, here's the thing. I, 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 I'm also interested in, in how important spirituality is to you as well. That's something that's still a big part of your life. Yes, it's a massive part of my life. And I sort of... Um, I, it changes all the time like everything else. I am, yeah. I am a bit... I am very windswept. My opinions and views on everything sort of swirl around. And although, I, I, yeah, I've got that basic belief in God, then... In oh, a Catholic sense, and tells you're well, going to church Catholic every sense, Sunday. But, but that, yeah, I do do that. But that kind of uh, that kind of switches around. I used to think you had to be Catholic to get to heaven. Yeah. And now my view of what heaven is has probably changed. How's heaven changed then? <laughs> How would heaven in your mind been ten or fifteen years ago? I'm curious by when you said that you think. I heaven's think it's changed. been changed by my time at Absolute Radio. <laughs> I now see myself in headphones for eternity. <laughs> Did you used to go to church every Sunday? Were you got the weekends? And like when you were out in South Africa, and that would you found a local church? Yeah, to try yeah. And keep I up went, with it there. I went to uh, several different churches in South Africa. Yeah, and that's that's one of the brilliant things about it because it's a bit like having um, um, a, a flat in every country <laughs> because it's so familiar to me. It's you know when you get you know when you if it, it, when you get home like I've just been away for a bit. And you know that thing that people always say, it's lovely to travel and see wondrous things, but there's, there's nothing quite like your own toilet. Yeah. Well, listen, we've got... Uh, I, I generally found it fascinating talking to you, Frank, and um, we've got to uh, wrap it up now. I'd like to ask you one last final question that would be out of doing what? Radio Now for 18 months. You, you, I think you did bits and bobs beforehand. You can, I seem to remember hearing you cover for Danny Baker years ago. I did ago, cover for Danny Baker. Radio, yeah. when it was like Morning Edition and Radio 5 played music, I think. Yeah, yeah, right. It was quite That's a while right, ago. Yeah. It was. It was in. It was in his glory days. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And um, what's the big thing you've learned about doing radio? It's a absolute radio. It's a regular gig for you now. Um, when you have a phone in, try not to use as I did about week three. Um, the topic was why is life such a grotesque pantomime. And that's at like ten past eight on a Saturday morning. <laughs> Actually, it was a texting. I bet even worse. I didn't, I didn't really do the, <laughs> put that in a text. I, I, th- I don't think we got any replies at all. <laughs> I thought it'd be different from name a, a song with with a collar in the title, <laughs> which is what I use the uh, DJs doing. Well, listen, Frank. Thank you very much for your time. It's always a joy to see you, uh, Mr. Breakfast. Thank you very much, Mr. Saturday. Da, 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 da. You're not going to do that da, weird da, bit in it that doesn't da, da, exist. Da, da, it doesn't. Da. Right, I'm going to I'm going to find out that theme tune. It doesn't exist. Thanks for downloading part four of Absolute Radio's 18 podcast. Don't forget, you can download the whole series right now on iTunes. Absolute Radio.